off, we're gonna tear the roof off the mother sucker. Tear the roof off the sucker. Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Welcome to Two Daydream Believers Podcast. This is episode two. This is Space Orphan, or Pam, here. And I am here with Kay, or Black John Lennon at Tumblr. So, Kay, let's get in. Oops, sorry. Talking over you already. (laughs) Um, We're talking about Acafellas tonight, and specifically the Kurt and Mercedes subplot. So, um, yeah, let's start with talking a little bit about their friendship and how they became friends and why they kind of uh, gravitated towards each other. Well, I think that in the beginning, you don't really kind of know how they became friends. I think a lot of people assume that they were already friends by the time, you know, they get into Glee Club. I know I definitely kind of had, like, this headcanon that maybe they went to, like, middle school together Mm -hmm. or something like that. So I was kind of surprised in 2009 to find out that they were just then meeting each other. Though though it looks like Kurt really did... um he admired her from afar, from her so they, village. Yeah, he knew who she was. Right. For sure. So, I don't know if that necessarily changes my thoughts that maybe they've gone to school together for a while, or if maybe they just he just recognized her from around school. But I think that the fact that he knew who she was and kind of admired her, he must have been familiar with her at some point. I think there's some familiarity there. So maybe they just didn't run in the same crowds, but we're from the same neighborhood. I don't imagine Lima's all that No, big. probably not that I don't big. Think it's, I don't think it's as tiny as I think a lot of people think it might be. No, it seems like a, a mid-sized town, and when you look in the map, it definitely looks like a mid-sized town. I don't know how realistic we're supposed to think of it, but I can yeah. see how people, like, especially Kurt, who's so closed <laughs> off during his early, or his middle school years and his freshman year, he's pretty, like, to himself, so. Yeah. Um, you probably try and stay in the corners as much as possible. and But, um, so, how do you think that he saw Mercedes, or heard Mercedes singing, though? Because he's, he mentions that he admired her singing talent. I kind of have this feeling that maybe Bert tried to drag him to church or something. Oh, that's an interesting point. Like, I could see that. Because I think we've heard Bert mention God before. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just my, my idea of Bert is being, like, the typical kind of Midwestern guy. Right. He may not be, like, super religious, but, like, go to church on Easter and, yep. you know, maybe Christmas, Christmas Eve. And I could definitely see him if he's kind of trying to figure out how to reach Kurt who's distant and quiet. I could see him definitely trying that. Absolutely. So maybe, like, Bert grabbed him and said, made him go to church on, like, Easter and they heard the choir, and he heard Mercedes, Mercedes singing in the choir. 
Oh, that's I don't a good think point. there were really any opportunities to sing around school at that point. No, I mean the only other thing I can think of is um, I know like in my school there were elementary everybody had to have music class and middle school we all had to have like an elective and most of us were in choir because we were forced to be. Um, yeah. So I wonder if that was another thing too that you know maybe in elementary school they did have elementary and she just sang really well even then. So that's true because I remember. In elementary school, every year, every class had to like sing something for like Christmas or something like that, and there was like a chorus for like sixth graders. So I could definitely see that as well. I definitely think, or even like, I mean, her choir is like everywhere. For all we know, they like, probably performed <laughs> at like the local Christmas whatever in the mall. Oh, that's a good point. I could definitely see that because they literally pop up everywhere. <laughs> it's like, oh, yep, there's the choir. Yep, that's exactly. Awesome. So I could definitely imagine they perform at any given moment around Lima. They need to go caroling on, during the holidays or something because that choir is just, like, ready to go. <laughs> it really is, now that I think of it. I have to go back and look and see how many uh, songs they're in. Okay, so getting into the episode a little bit, they, they do seem to be uh, pretty good friends or... Um, right off the, the bat, even in that first scene um, where Kurt and Mercedes are walking down the hallway with each other. And um, yeah. what do you think uh, made the two of them like click together really well? Because we kind of see uh, in, in the dynamics of the original Glee Club, we see kind of Artie and Tina, but they were already shown to be kind of good friends. And Rachel's kind of isolated. And we see Kurt and Mercedes. And I, I personally think they're a really good uh, fit for each other. But I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. I think that both of them kind of understanding each other from that perspective of them being so lonely and feeling like they don't really have anyone that they can relate to in the town definitely helped, but also kind of their love of clothes and fashion and probably finding that comfort in each other. They're like, oh, hey, here's someone who likes this thing that I like and then building from there. But I definitely think they recognize in each other someone who, you know, is feels like they're not going to have the things that other teenagers around them are having. Mercedes, maybe because of her race mm-hmm. or her size. Kurt, because it's gay, even though he's not out. Right. They're kind of relating to that. And then at the time, they both kind of have, like, you kind of find out eventually that they both have these gooey, sweet centers. Absolutely. But they're also playing like they're really sassy teenagers. I'm a sassy black girl. I'm a sassy gay kid. And we stand around and we kind of roll our eyes at our peers because it's easier than kind of admitting that we wish we were more included in that. Absolutely. I can just see the two of them like getting coffee and talking about, I don't know, just being sassy with each other. Like, Oh yeah, yeah. we could totally pull off this outfit so much better than they can. And stuff like exactly. that. Yeah. And just kind of like starting from that bonding point of we are so much cooler than them. We are so much better than them. We are so much more stylish than them. Absolutely. Gosh, you really kind of want to hang out with them, too. Oh, yeah. Well, and then also, I think there is, um, I guess I'm going to go from Kurt's point of view real quick, that Mercedes is such a kind soul, and she's really ex- accepting of just about everybody. And I think that's something for Kurt, who's always had, like, you know, Rachel's really brash when they first meet, or cut and dry, or, you know, Finn, he's nice, but he's still throwing him in dumpsters. You know, Tina and Artie have their own little kind of click with each other, and they're 
not exactly the most accessible people right off the bat. And, and Mercedes is so nice and sweet. And, you know, I, I just think that's something that, you know, he can gravitate towards and latch on to without fear of persecution or judgment. Absolutely, yeah. There's a kindness to Mercedes that makes it easier for her to build relationships with people who are hard to get to. Mm-hmm. Because you see that later on with her and Santana in season three. Absolutely. In the trouble tones. Uh-huh. She kind of is one of the few people that kind of calmed Santana down at that point. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it kind of a little bit with her and Rachel while Kurt's at Dalton. Oh, yeah. That relationship kind of starts to grow. Yep. It's just Mercedes is, has almost a calming presence, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's absolutely. It's very easy to relax around her and kind of be yourself around her because she's so non-judgmental absolutely okay so getting into the the plot of octafellas a little bit um when we first see kurt and mercedes at the lockers um she's kind of watching everybody and um just looking at people making out and holding hands and you know she she kind of wants that or at least to me it seems like she she just not so, you know, she doesn't want somebody to make out right there, but she just wants that closeness with somebody. And yeah. I think that is kind of where her crush starts to develop. And it's not necessarily, wow, I think Kurt is hot. It's a, wow, we, you know, are friends and we're good friends and we hold each other's hands and link arms and he's funny and nice and everything. And that's kind of where that crush starts to develop. I think that that crush, when you really think about it, her crush on Kurt is not really much different from Kurt's crush on Finn. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kurt's main crush on Finn is Finn is nice to him. Right. Or nicer to him right. than the other guys in the school. And I think Mercedes' crush on Kurt isn't all that different. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, it, like, yeah. So it's not necessarily built on, like, physical attributes. It's just, here's this person there really be nice to me. And, you know, I'm going to latch on to that because maybe my previous life or earlier life people weren't so nice to me so it it is easy to kind of fall into that and where you just want to latch on to that kindness that people are showing you absolutely yeah been there done that (laughs) (laughs) i think we all have in in some respects i know i have anyway yes so i don't really falter i mean it's kind of funny when i was watching through it again i mean like kurt's got like naked half men in his locker and just like all of these signs and she even you know she even says something like that when quinn and Santana link arms and they're like, hey, you know, you should totally go for that. And she's like, no, I don't think so. Um, and, and she's kind of slightly aware, but it's just kind of that, you know, wanting to have somebody with you that pulls her, you know, more towards the crush and more towards, well, maybe I'll just try to see if it works kind yeah. of thing. And he's not out, so there's that inkling of maybe, like, it's totally different from with Tina and Blaine because Blaine was about as out as you could be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. about like um Quinn's of course trying to manipulate things for you know she's working with Sue and whatnot but why do you think Mercedes buys into what Quinn's saying I think she wants to believe it okay I think she wants to believe a that Quinn is thinking about her and cares about her as a person mm-hmm. someone as popular as Quinn mm-hmm. thinking out for her best interest 
but she also wants to believe that a boy likes her. Absolutely. Because, you know, when you're at that age, that's kind of like what they tell you is like this huge marker of, you know, what you're supposed to be doing at that point in your life. And you feel like maybe you're doing something wrong if you're getting to that age and no one's interested. Absolutely. And no one's ever been interested. Oh, yeah, I agree. And it's kind of, I, I think also easy when you have somebody that's like super popular, even if, you know, you don't like her 100%, the, the, who has a boyfriend and, and seems to know what she's talking about, say, hey, you know, you really should go for that. Well, maybe I should. Maybe this would be a, a good thing to try. You know, I like him. He's nice to me. I, you know, and some of those red flags you kind of gloss over. Yeah. Am I the only one who thought maybe watching this that originally Quinn was maybe supposed to be a little bit older? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that before. Like I always kind of thought in the first season or so that maybe Quinn, Finn, and Puck were supposed to be a little bit older. They might so have. Kinda, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, just, I can't imagine what it would have been like if they graduated them in different periods than what they did. Although the huge, you know, everyone graduating at one time was so jarring. I always thought in season one that maybe Quinn was supposed to be like a junior or something like that. Because otherwise I can't really imagine another 10th grader having that much, like, like power, that big of a deal. That but, makes a lot of sense. That would make more sense with the Finn, too, and some of the other, uh, like, talk and everything. So having more power. Because, yeah, you're right. As sophomores, sophomores don't usually get that much power. But Yeah. Plus, I mean... Mark Salling and Corey Monteith and Harry Shum are like two years younger than me. Yeah, exactly. And by, <laughs> and by season two, Mark Salling was looking oh, yeah. much, very much better as pushing, pushing 30. So I always thought that they would have graduated. I mean, obviously they're going to play him as like the Michael Lucy character. They could have graduated him and have him still kind of be around because where else would he go? Mm-hmm. Plotline really wouldn't have had to change all that much now that I think about it but I'm totally <laughs> off topic no it's okay no it's something I'll have to put a pin in and watch for though as we go on but um okay so then the next scene is the Dakota Stanley scene uh, where they're going to, to see a Dakota Stanley and yes. um Mercedes is like here's the thing that I think is neat and, and kind of telling about their friendship but Mercedes is like oh we suck or you know whatever and Kurt's like no we're pretty awesome and I think that's another thing that she latches on to that she's kind of she's kind of cutting herself down yeah. and, and Kurt's like nah whatever we're awesome just ignore them and it's interesting because in 2009 we saw that she was more that for him mm-hmm. but it's also a give and take which is what kind of makes what ends up happening in the substitute so much harder mm-hmm. to, to kind of watch as someone who loves the Prince's friendship and didn't really kind of take the think about it the same way that a lot of fandom did after Bill Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they were that for each other. They were, you know, Kurt was going down, Mercedes was the one to say, no, we're, we're awesome, we're better than them, don't fill down. And here he does it for her. Uh-huh. And they were kind of that for each other when they needed it. Well, and, and I... It wasn't, oops, sorry. It wasn't competitive. Like, he, like, he's competitive with Rachel, she was competitive with Rachel, but they were never competitive with each other, even if... I don't think there's one time where Kurt and Mercedes butthead no. buttheads over solos. I, I don't think so. Or in general, really. Because, you know, Kurt and, and Rachel buttheads over a lot of things. Um, and the thing that I that's always struck me about Kurt Sadies is that 
even though like their friendship is not the focus of the show later on, I think that there is a lot of signs that it's still very important to both of them. And they're always shown like very warm and friendly with each other and, and reaching out for each other and um, even just physically. And so I like to think that even if they aren't front and center like Hummelberry is, that that friendship is very important to the both of them. Still, yeah, I got my kind of vindication because Selmy, it was just kind of like, well, I have to feel Jesus, he doesn't trust her, and they're not friends, and all of this. And then in season three, I want to say it was um, Saturday Night Gleaver, we've seen them hanging out together, and Kurt's begging her to go to New York. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like one moment where they're walking down the hallway together, and Sam walks off, and then Kurt like just does that thing where like, oh hell no, I'm out of here, and he, like turns right around. And you see, like, watching in the background. And so for me, I was like, see, they're still friends. It's just not the focus. So you're not going to see it as much, but it's been kind of ongoing. Absolutely. Yes, I do agree with that 100%. I think their friendship may change later on, but it's never gone. It's never, I don't think that he ever stops trusting her. That's, that's, I don't agree with um, with whoever's saying that. Um, But it, and it's kind of nice. I mean, your friends do change as you grow up, but, uh, you know, a lot of times people have the, like this, this foundation of, you know, you were this first person who held my hand when I needed it and needed my confidence when I needed it. And there's something very special in that. And I think that throughout the rest of their lives, I mean, even going through when you watch all the way up to dreams come true, you know, they're sitting next to each other and holding hands and stuff like that. And so exactly. And still yeah. fighting over talks. Exactly. All that stuff. Exactly. So. Um, well, and you know, just to go to the Kurt side, to go back to Akafellas, he's a very shielded person. He um, doesn't really like reach out and, and physically touch people. I mean, most of the time, his physical touch is being thrown in dumpsters or somebody beating him up or whatnot. And for him to reach out to Mercedes is just a big thing for him. So. I, I mean, it just says a lot, you know, when we're watching these scenes and they're like linking arms and they're holding hands. And, and I think even though Kurt is not the type of person to come out and say, wow, this person is my best friend, his his little small motions to that are, are really telling. So Yeah, Kurt's not a gushy person. Right. And, you know, I think that that's kind of hard for people because with the exception of Mercedes, I think the people we're known for Kurt to be the closest to, right. Bert, Rachel, and Blaine, are so open mm-hmm. with how they feel about things, so then it can look like, oh, Kurt doesn't care as much as they do, and I've been guilty of that, too. Right. Well, Kurt doesn't care as much as they do, because here they are, they're like, Blaine, their whole, like, emotions and everything is right. out there, and, you know, Kurt's just kind of like, you know, not really reciprocating that he's just not a gushy person no. and i know people like her right they're they're not the ones to kind of give you a big emotional speech or anything like their version of that is in a smaller kind of small actions and, and small things and it's taken me some time and those people that i know like that in my life to kind of understand that yep because i'm very much blame where i'm like just like <laughs> pouring it out there i'm like crying oh you know i have all these feelings let me throw them all at you right now. Oh, absolutely. And not, not getting the response that I feel like I would want to get in, you know, to that kind of display. And it takes the time to really understand that that's just 
even with I think even without the bullying or losing his mom or anything like that, mm-hmm. it's just how some people oh, yeah. aren't, aren't made like that. Right. They're more about showing you and how they treat you. Absolutely. And, that, and they want that to be enough, and they don't necessarily always understand that for some people that's not enough. But I think Mercedes is one of the few people in Kurt's life that don't necessarily need, you know, the big display or she can almost kind of like read him and see that these little things mm-hmm. are his display. Mm-hmm. But I think here she's just she wants so much for it to be more than it is. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I Kurt is a very inward character and, and his um the way he shows his feelings and emotions are just in really subtle and small ways. And um, I think Mercedes eventually really gets that. Um, But I mean, right here, it's kind of, you know, she's still kind of in this, um, Oh, maybe he likes me and kind of taking it in a different direction. But um, for the most part, overall, she definitely gets it. Yeah. I definitely think that if there's anything that kind of ties this into the rest of the episode is that it's just an episode about people who want something so badly. Yes. They want to believe that it's that it's something that's gonna work out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And that's definitely where Mercedes is here. She wants to believe that Kurt is interested in her, that she can have that boyfriend and that high school romance just as much as they want to believe that Dakota Stanley can be for them what Mr. Shu was supposed to be for them because right. he's so busy trying to believe that this boy band or whatever will reclaim his youth. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. Um, okay, so back to the uh, Dakota San- or going to Dakota Stanley thing. She actually asks him out kind of on a like date-ish, date type thing or like, hey, you want to go hang out? And you can see Quinn and Santana like edging her on, and, and in the background, Tina and Mercedes, uh, Tina and Rachel are like freaking out on her. Um, yeah. And even Kurt does a little bit of a double take there. But I think that he's kind of ignoring some of these signs of her crush because he wants a friend too, and he doesn't want to, you know, deal with that aspect of it. He's like, Mercedes here. She seems to really hey like hanging out with me. Let's latch onto that. Yeah. I think he ignores it for a couple of reasons. A, like you said, you know, she's a friend and he doesn't want to possibly ruin that. But also acknowledging that he's not interested in her Mm -hmm. means he has to acknowledge that he's gay. Yep. And he's still not quite there yet. Right. Exactly. Okay. um, So I want to talk a little bit about the Mercedes Rachel Tina scene, even though it doesn't have Kurt in it, because I think it's relevant to the story. And lady fabulous. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Though I think it's a little bit hilarious about Tina (laughs) saying, hey, you know, he's probably gay. You probably shouldn't do this. But, um, oh, Tina. At least Mercedes didn't climb in anyone's bed. That's true. She did not. (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm sorry. That's a little bit funny. Okay. Um, But, yeah, no, I think this is another scene where Mercedes reiterates, you know, you guys may be warning about all this stuff and maybe you're right, maybe you're not, but you know, he really likes me as a person and he wants to spend time with me. I should actually at least try to see where this goes. So. And I think that it's something that both Rachel and Tina kind of battle with later on. In fact, that 
part of Rachel's thing with Ben isn't very different. Mm-hmm. You know, he's someone that sees her, you know, and, yep. and takes that time with her, even if right now he's still with Quinn. Ben sees Rachel. Right. And that's kind of the thing that carries on the relationship through the rest of the series until, you know, until Corey passes away. The whole thing is that Ben is someone who has always seen Rachel. Yep. So, and I think Tina, Tina's whole thing, the whole thing about her character from then till the end is Tina wanted, wanting to be seen. Right. You know, so it's interesting. Obviously, I don't think there's any. I mean, Blaine didn't even, it was just a t- not even a twinkle in Ryan Murphy's brain at that point. Right. So there was no way to know where that was going. But I do think it's interesting that the two people who want to be seen so much are the ones that Mercedes says that to. Mercedes is just very honest about it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, this is probably not going to work out, but he sees me and likes me for me. And why let that go? Why not? just kind of cling to that for now. Yep, absolutely agree with that. Going to the car wash scene now, um, which I love this scene. Um, Me too. I, did, I love that Kurt is like checking himself out in the, the hubcaps or whatever. I don't remember what he, he's just making sure his hair looks nice and everything. I like how Kurt wore like his best outfit to wash cars. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. That's, like, you would think he would have worn like his coveralls from the tire shop or something. But no, he's totally in his best outfit to wash these cars. Oh, I never really thought about that, but you're right. He's just completely ducked out in a bow tie. And that's really funny. Um, I mean, a Mercedes, too, actually. Yeah, but, well, she has to look good. She's going to sing a song in a minute. So That's true. Yeah, that's true. She is so... I, I kind of love her confidence here because she's so like, okay, you know what? Let's do it. Let's, let's go. Let's date each other since we hang out all the time. And she really doesn't kind of, um, there's really no hesitation when she decides to do it. And I, I think that's really cool that even if, you know, she gets turned down and she ends up throwing a brick through his car window. But I, I do think that the confidence is really kind of cool to see. Yeah, I think Mercedes is a character, once she makes up her mind about something, she's kind of all in. So, um, here's the thing that's always got me. Maybe you can shed some light on this. He says that he's very clear that he's been in love with somebody else when, after, you know, he, she asks him out. Do you see that? I mean, obviously we see that he's had a crush on Finn forever, but do you think that to other people it was really clear? Why would he say that? That seems like an interesting thing to say. You know, I, that's a really good point. And I didn't even really think about that. Mostly because during that scene, I'm like, where'd she even get the rock? Yep, (laughs) it's true. I think, I almost have to wonder, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, those conversations I had with my friends at that age a hundred years ago. And you always kind of hint, you know, sometimes you hint that there's someone. Right. And I wonder if it was a situation where maybe, and I'm totally headcanning this. Because oh, yeah. There's no evidence yep. at all. If part of the reason she was able to buy into the crash is maybe he's talking about this person. Oh. You know, this mysterious person whose name he never says, never says anything, you know, give away who it is. And Mercedes is inferring, kind of thinking, oh, that could be me. Is he talking about me? That's a good point. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm totally lying to myself. (laughs) No, no, it does make a lot of sense, though, because, I mean, it it helps with the crush aspect of it, but 
it does give that line a little more context, whereas it's kind of out of nowhere in some respects. Yeah. And I realize it's just to set up her looking backwards and seeing Rachel, but, you know. No, I'm, I'm, well, we know there's a scene somewhere that we don't know about because the Fox Project couldn't get it for us. It totally <laughs> explains why he said that, and we'll never ever see it until there's like a 10th anniversary Fox set with all the bloopers and stuff that cost like $400. <laughs> I hope that happens. Man. I've been hoping. <laughs> um, oh, you know what's kind of also really kind of neat on a little side tangent? They didn't really play up the Kurt is in love with Rachel plotline. They kind of drop it rather quickly after, you know, they get to, and I'm jumping ahead real quick, um, but once they get into the apology and Kurt's coming out singing, they don't really take that. And, and a lot of shows... I think this is why I really like. That out yeah. Yeah. It would have been dragged out as long as the stupid baby plot. Oh. <laughs> it would have gone. It would have been dragged out until like sectionals. I'm so glad. Yeah. That they didn't let that become a thing. Oh, me too. Because and it's also like the heart of the story is about people accepting you for who you are, and exactly. and and that would have just kind of gone off on a tangent forever and I'm, I'm really glad that they didn't do that so i think it's probably due in part to ryan murphy specifically and the story he wanted to tell with kurt absolutely i think that a lot of shows would have played kurt out more as a typical common character and would have had like rachel be his beard and mm-hmm. like a fake love triangle because he's really in love with fan but rachel's in love with fan but rachel's like his beard because rachel wants to have a boyfriend too or right something. and just gone like really silly sitcom shenanigans right and I think for Ryan Murphy it was more important to get to the heart of Kurt's character mm-hmm. and have him come out because prolonging that and keeping him in the closet wasn't going to be the point right it wasn't where he wanted to go absolutely but I think in the hands of anyone else yeah that whole thing would have been like we would have had Hummel Barry in a completely <laughs> different way that I just shudder to think about you just came up with a really bad plot line for a sitcom so yeah that would have been terrible <laughs> so no 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 I agree with everything and I'm, I'm so glad that they that this this also and what we can talk about this in, a, in more depth in a second was really a setup also for preggers it, there's a lot of little things in here that like the stuff that they mentioned earlier with um, his dad giving him the car if he doesn't wear any length sweaters anymore, and him coming out to Mercedes and whatnot is kind of a setup for Kurt's big plotline starting in Prager's. So yes, yeah. and the Bert that you know, I think that it was. Into, I don't think that like I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, bad. You know how this fandom can be about the writers of the show. Right. I've never been in a lot of fandoms. So I don't really know if that's kind of a common thing because the only other fandom I even dipped my toes in a little bit was Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling is mostly like worship there mm-hmm. from what I saw. But I think that some people saw it as, oh, the bird that we see later on is a retcon. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that's true. I think they wanted us to think that Bert was going to be like this mean, scary dad. Right. And sometimes I think that a lot of the things Bert was doing was Bert trying to push Kurt Right. Opening up, I don't think he was punishing him, you know, out of homophobia so much as, you know, there's this thing between us that I kind of know but don't know how to acknowledge, and you definitely know and don't know how to acknowledge. What can I do to get you to that point where we can kind of talk about this elephant in the room? Right. Well, and I think on top of that, Bert 
sometimes doesn't know how to address the elephant in the room or even sometimes, gosh, I'm struggling to find it with other instances, but here at the beginning, like when, when Kurt says that he gets a new car, if he's able to stop wearing knee-length sweaters, it's kind of like, well, maybe if my, I can steer my kid in a more normal direction, he'll be more normal. But, the, but then he comes into, you know, once he finally starts to really get Kurt and they start to connect, he's more accepting of that his kid is, you know, what he is. So Yeah, the only other time we see Bert really concerned in that way is prom when he wants to wear the kilt. Right, and that's out of, you know, I want my kid to be safe more yeah. than it is I don't want my kid to be gay. It's just I'm afraid that he, what he's doing by expressing himself, he, he might get beat up. It might and, be too much. Right. Right. So, anyway, um, back to the car wash stuff. Uh, do you have any comments about Mercedes' reaction and her breaking the car window? So many. And I know that, you know, the, the podcast and everything is really more to be about Kurt and eventually Blaine, but I just have to have go ahead. my Mercedes stand moment. Sure, go ahead. With the song, because... And I... It, it's so huge for me, and I know for a lot of other people. And for me, what it is, is as a black woman, female, teenager, you kind of grow up on things like waiting to exhale and, like, mm-hmm. that revenge when the man cheats on you and you, like, put all this stuff in your in his car and you burn it. And, you know, that's, that's you know, our version of female empowerment. Mm-hmm. And you don't, in, on TV, you know, a character like Mercedes would be kind of the joke just there to do oh hell to the no right and then that's it and so to see this girl singing this song this like revenge fantasy anthem on top of a car surrounded by skinny blonde girls who are her backup dancers mm-hmm. and just having this moment of complete and utter confidence it was just something i wish i had seen when i was growing up Oh. I was that insecure girl who just wanted a boyfriend and all that. I wish that we have that I'd had Mercedes, and that's coming from someone who feels like she had a lot of really good role models in high school, you know, in in pop culture, but mm-hmm. not a Mercedes, not someone who would. When you see a black female character on a, sh- it's that strong black female, you know, mm-hmm. and Mercedes is allowed to be both strong and vulnerable and emotional and admit these things that she's insecure and Mm -hmm. she wants to be loved and she wants to have a boyfriend. And it's important because we're taught that we're supposed to be strong and that we don't need no man and all these things. And it's important to kind of believe that you don't need a man to fulfill your life, but it's also important for us to to be seen as vulnerable and wanting to be loved. Mm-hmm. You have black women, especially the darker you are, the bigger you are. Someone who lives in Cameron Riley, you know, you're told over and over that you're not worthy of love and you're not worthy of romance. Mm-hmm. And that's why this moment is so huge for me. That's why Sam Sadie's is so huge for me because there was nothing ever like that. You know, Sam Evans would have been like my dream boy in high school with his goofy sense of humor <laughs> and his impressions and you know, being a total nerd. And so for me, this is just the start of something that was so important that I wish 
got more attention than it did. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of got Mercedes' story kind of got swallowed up by the hugeness of the other things the show were, was doing, mm-hmm. which, you know, is all very important. Obviously, I'm here because of that. But this moment with Mercedes and this friendship between them is definitely what made me stay with Glee. Because if I were watching for, like, any other reason, I think I would have probably got bored through all the, you know, oh, it's going to keep the baby. Who's going to get the baby? Is it Puck or is it Ben? Is she going to raise the baby? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I looked for those moments of Mercedes, and I looked for those moments of Kurt, because those were relationships that I related to. This is a character that I needed to see and wanted to see. And so her singing this song and standing on that car was such a moment of triumph and it was huge and so I just oh my I just love it that's why I was like bawling my eyes out she got her like Beyonce <laughs> for a moment and dreams come true because it was just that that kind of her journey is one of the most important aspects of Glee for absolutely and I think you know uh, I mean coming from uh, somebody that has a, a different background I, I mean I do see like that moment is such a the song is really amazing for Mercedes where she gets to just go up there and, and she, and Amber Riley has a gorgeous voice and I'm going to throw out, you know, I studied music in college and I'm just blown away at what she can do. Um, I've seen her live. She <laughs> is a superstar. She is absolutely amazing. So it's awesome that so early on it, they, they, they recognize to, to kind of, um, Oh, what's the word to spotlight that kind of thing? And it's it is kind of a shame. And this is just my personal opinion. Hopefully, I won't get hate mail for this. That the <laughs> beginning thirteen is just so bogged down in a lot of stuff that I don't think that the people really you know gravitated towards. So you have all this Will Terry baby fake baby plot, and I know people did like the Finn Rachel stuff, but the, at the heart of it, you've got the, the Mercedes and the Kurtz, and then even Artie and Tina and all of these background characters who are making such a big impact in all of these little story moments. I mean, this whole plot line takes about, I don't know, five to seven minutes of the entire episode. And yet people, I still hear people, you know, we talk about Kurt, we talk about Mercedes, we talk about Tina. And I I don't see a lot of people deconstructing Will and Terry's, you know, relationship and the fake baby and whatnot. So I definitely think that they kind of got that. You can definitely see in the second half of season one and definitely starting with season two, that they're like, oh, wait, people don't want to see, they don't want to see the teachers. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) No one's watching this show for the teachers. And I kind of feel bad. It's funny, I was listening to Jenna's podcast when she had Matt Morrison on there. Uh And she was talking about how, he was talking about how so many days he would spend like eight, nine, ten hours in his trailer waiting to come in and just film, like, his reaction shots to the kids mm-hmm. and how it was such a test of his patient, a test for him. And I was, like, you know, kind of bummed because I was, like, I think this show started it was supposed to be the thing that made him such a big deal. It was supposed right. to be, like, a thing for him, and it just turned out that people were, like, no, I mean, you know, people fell in love with those kids. Well, and, you know, and, I will give the writers credit for, like, they, they saw in these kids, that you know, and Amber Riley and Chris Colfer and whatnot, that they have these really huge talents. And then I'm glad that throughout even these first 13, we get showcases of that, like in this car wash scene. So absolutely. I think it was smart to give each kid 
kind of that spotlight because I know Wheels, we have a Kurt storyline, right. we also have an Artie and Tina storyline and kind of give them that opportunity to kind of tell us who those kids are. Absolutely. So they're, they're not just glorified extras. I know a lot of people still think they were. And, you know, we could definitely argue that Artie and Tina weren't necessarily used as much as they could have been at certain right. points. But in season one, I think it, I really, you know, it really is a good thing that they gave them each their moment to mm-hmm. kind of shine and allow the audience to really see the characters because I don't think, you know, if the show had kind of stuck with where they're going, where it was about Will and Terry and Emma and Sue, right. that we would have gotten as far as we did. No. And I think it is also a, a little bit of the writers testing the waters too, saying, you know, what will the audience respond with? Let's put, you know, these people front and center. And I, I do think, they list, I mean, we can go, let's not go down that tangent, we don't have all night, but I, I do think that they <laughs> listened sometimes. I mean, Kurt did get more storylines, and, and you know, they did lessen on the Will Terry stuff, so um, I don't think they were completely ignorant of what people yeah. were saying. So. One thing I'm glad for, I could not stand Terry. Oh, yeah. I think she might be one of my least favorite characters on the show of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, not to, I'm just kind of not going to go down that road just because we could sit and talk another podcast about that. Um, yeah. um, so uh, getting back, uh, the one thing I want to say is that the next scene that the Kurt and Mercedes have is the, the scene where Dakota Stanley shows up yeah. and, um, he just basically is like an asshole to all of them and there's no tension between Kurt and Mercedes. So I don't think even before she apologizes that he really is too upset with her over the whole throwing a rock through his windshield. You know, like, I kind of got that idea, too. Mm-hmm. And I, and sometimes I'm like, okay, well, is this like a, is this like a behind-the-scenes thing? Like, maybe this was supposed to take place earlier in the episode, so they played it like, you know, the rock in the window thing hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I try not to think too hard right. about certain things, because I'll just, like, get myself all confused. But I definitely could see that Kurt wouldn't take it personally. No. I could almost see Kurt almost kind of saying, well, if I had been honest, then, you know, or something like that, like almost taking a little bit of it onto himself as well. Right. But I definitely don't think it was something that was like a deal breaker per se. Well, not to mention Mercedes seems like one of those people when she gets, you know, she blows up, she's okay, she's got it yeah. out of her system and, and whatnot. And I think, you know, it, it's, even though this plot line is very much a Mercedes plot line more than it is Kurt's, even Kurt's coming out, even though it's a big moment for him, this is really Mercedes plot line. Um, you know, it's, I completely lost where I was going with that thought. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, it's gone. I'm, if I think of it, I'll, I'll come with it again. I'm sorry. Okay. But anyway, I just I wanted to mention that little scene oh, that they like. He Dakota Stanley is is just a jerk to both of them, and they're both they both react like in horror to the other one. Like, why would you say these awful things to you know my friend? And and really about the whole glee club. I mean, Dakota Stanley is a jerk all around. So yeah, they're, they're wanting to stick up for this place that is really a safe place for them, but. Um, there, there was no leftover, at least the way it's edited. There's no leftover tension from the car wash scene. So yeah, definitely. So, all right. So 
going into the big scene at the end, which is um, Mercedes' apology and Kurt's coming out. And um, one really quick thing that I, I want to add, because I, I just cracks me up in hindsight of the finale, is Mercedes saying, you know, I hope you and Rachel are happy together and you'll have very loud babies together. Because <laughs> <laughs> she does carry his baby later on. I mean, I know it's not That's biologically true. hers, but it just the line just cracks me up now. So Yeah, and probably isn't particularly, regardless of who the biological father is, I can't imagine that being it. Easygoing child. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it wildly. So, um, but anyway, um, so your thoughts on, you know, let's talk about Mercedes' apology and and how she's really laid back about the whole. You know, she's sad. She's not sad. She's um, she really is genuinely sorry that she did that, and just that she's like, I don't know where I'm going. I'll let you talk for a minute. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I think, and one of my favorite things about Mercedes as a character is that she's very, she's just kind and she is not afraid to acknowledge when she's the one who messed up. Yep. So the fact that, you know, so many of these characters are, I mean, they're deep love, of course, they're dramatic and, you know, make a big scene. And I think Mercedes is very, I think part of the reason she worked so well in this group is because she's so grounded mm -hmm. and she's so grounded in she is and what she believes is the right thing to do mm -hmm. and so for her she you know she knew that she overreacted she knew that you know the right thing to do would be to apologize and to be his friend and right that meant you know acknowledging that he would be with someone else well then that's what she's going to do because it's the right thing right and but she's sincere when she does it. Absolutely. Some people, you know, do the right thing, but it's not quite sincere. Mm -hmm. But she's very sincere in her apology. Yeah. And, and, and definitely, she's completely opening herself up, saying, you know what, I was wrong. I did this wrong. This is not the way we treat friends. And because of that, because of her sincerity and her honesty, like, through this entire scene, you can see Kurt's thought process. He's just... You know, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? He's not even mostly, he's kind of half listening to this apology because he's like, should I tell her my big secret? And he's just yeah. so afraid of doing it. But her earnestness is what finally, you know, okay, I can trust her. I'm going to tell her this big secret. I think it's when he really kind of sees that she really does actually care for him and look out for him. Right. And I think that's what makes it, makes it easy for him to to come out to her mm -hmm. and I think that that's important for their friendship throughout the rest of the series is that she's the first person he ever says that out loud to right you for know and I think it's because again she's so sincerely kind mm -hmm. and she just wants she just cares about her friends absolutely and, and she just cares about people absolutely um, and I think that the crush is just such a, like, because obviously she's, like, over it by the next episode or whatnot, but it, it's just, you know, she cares about him genuinely, and that's all that really matters, and, and then he takes that, and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to share a, a piece of myself, and, and he's, like, breaking down crying during this. It's such a hard thing for him to, yeah. you know, relinquish some of that, that personal feeling that he holds on to so deeply and tightly. And it's just so huge for him to do that and say, look, this is my huge secret. I'm going to give it to you. And 
just the it's it's just an amazing scene all around. It is. It's a really, really great scene. Mm-hmm. And I definitely that was kind of a moment that cemented it for me, like, yeah, I'm gonna keep watching this because I wanna see where these two end up. Absolutely. Um, and, and her response, I mean, we should talk about that for a second. The, her response in that it's not, you know, oh, I already knew that, or oh, yeah, I guess. It's more of like, okay, I accept that. No, you know, you should be honest with you who you are with everybody, you know, and I'll help you through that. And, you know, that's what we're here for is to help you with whatever, you know, you choose to do. So. Exactly. And it's not even, she's not pushing him. Right. You know, it's, it's all very much, you know, what can we do? Like, what can I do? How can I make this easier for you? How can I be a friend to you in this moment? And, you know, that's what Glee Club is for. We're all here for you. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they don't realize that maybe not everyone in the group is there. But I think, you know, when, they're, when she says that, I think maybe she does mean Rachel and right. Tina and Artie. You know, there's right. a safe place. You don't have to. You don't have to keep this anymore. It doesn't have to be something that you keep bottled inside for just you, because now you have people. Yep. And and he's so. I mean, even though this is a big step for him, he's still struggling. I mean, he, you know, he says to her at one point, you know, I'm just not confident yet. When she says you should come out to everybody else, and, and you know, this whole you know little subplot, they're they're just ex- both of them are. Ex- is, are just, you know, emitting confidence, you know, as if they've, you know, are the most confident people on the planet. And I think uh, that one of the similar threads is that maybe both of them have insecurities, or they do obviously have insecurities, but, like, you know, they're trying to be these confident people, and yet they have the stuff buried in them that's, you know, hard, and, and yet they lean on each other for, you know, help and everything, and they can be real, have real emotions with each other. Um, Absolutely. So, glad that made sense. <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. Okay. So, I think that's why their friendship works. Absolutely. That they understand those things about each other. Because Rachel is confident already. Right. You know, she's almost a little overconfident. Right. And so, for Kurt and Mercedes, they're good at playing that they have confidence and pretending that they have confidence. Mm-hmm. And so, the first couple of seasons is kind of about them learning to have confidence for real absolutely and i mean maybe you can speak more about mercedes on this point because i think you understand her a little bit more than i do but coming from the kurt's point of view you know he is confident in quite a few things i mean he's confident about how he sings he's confident about how he dresses but when it comes to emotional stuff he's he's not he's very insecure in a lot of ways and so um i don't know i mean it's just again having that you know having her and being able to really be emotionally open with her because he's it's not something he's good and confident in is just a huge thing yeah and i think for mercedes you know the difference between her and kurt at that moment and something we saw in 2009 and even you know hints up at different points is mercedes is confident in her talent but she's not 100 percent confident that you know, the community around her will accept her talent when she's outside of church. Mm-hmm. She, but she's confident. She knows that she's loved unconditionally. Uh-huh. I think she does have a very strong family bond. Mm-hmm. And she has a community bond in her church. Mm-hmm. So Mercedes is confident in her emotions and feeling what she feels and expressing it because she knows that she has love. 
she has love in her life. There's no doubt in her mind that she is loved. Whereas Kurt, you know, lost his mom when he was really young. He really is afraid that if he acknowledges this thing about himself, his dad maybe won't love him anymore. Right. On top of knowing right. that he's not loved at school. Yep. So I think that's where some of the some of where she's able to provide that comfort for him. She is loved, so she knows how to give that to other people. Mm. Whereas that's something we literally have to watch Kurt learn. And, you know, and in the same respects, and you can completely correct me if you think I'm wrong, I, I think that he also, you know, she's maybe a little insecure about, you know, how she looks or how she's presented, as you're saying, in, in the community, and he kind of boosts that. He boosts her self-esteem and, and says, you know, you're gorgeous, and, you're, you know, look what you're wearing, and it's awesome, and we're awesome. And that kind of, like, when you have that kind of positive um, reaffirmation in your life, you, they can build on each other. And Exactly. So, yeah. Definitely, because I definitely think being, you know, race and size are things that, you know, are probably some of Mercedes' biggest insecurities mm-hmm. with Pat McKinley, because there's no one else like her at McKinley. So she's alone in that way. And so having her there who says you're gorgeous and this outfit is amazing and, you know, to build her up in that way in the same way that she can say, I'm here for you Mm -hmm. and you have me in your corner, builds him up in a way that he needs. Absolutely. No, I, I completely agree with that. So we are kind of coming towards the end of our hour here. Um, was there anything about the episode that stood out to you that you that we didn't address or that you wanted to go back over? Or No, I think we got everything. I did see a couple things in your notes about um, the stereotypes about Kurt, and he still feels well-rounded. Yes. I think that's one of my favorite things about Glee in general, Yeah, is that Glee will start with a stereotypical character, because the thing about stereotypes is they're not necessarily untrue. Right. You know, it's just that people are more than that because people have layers. Mm-hmm. And so you start with Kurt and Mercedes who, you know, look like these typically stereotyped characters right. that you see on so many other shows. The really feminine gay kid, the sad, oh, yeah. fat black girl. Right. But gives you so much more than that. And Kurt in particular, I think, especially like you're coming up to Preggers where you see that Kurt's kind of, he's good football he's Mm -hmm. you know pretty decent athlete i think if kurt really put you know really really wanted to pursue he could be a really good athlete i mean the way he kicked that ball right you know so it's just kind of this thing of kind of finding you know seeing the stereotype and then pulling back yeah well layers to reveal you know to give you more of who the characters are and i think kurt is probably one of the biggest examples of that well, and, it, and and going on that point real quickly, um, and it's not something I, I fully feel 100% confident commenting on, but they, they do. They pull out so many effeminate stereotypes in this episode. And, I mean, not that it's bad. A lot of them are for comedy, and a lot of them are to show, you know, what kind of character Kurt is. A lot of them are setting up preggers, but at the same time, he can be all of those things and have, you know, this, um, this really... Uh, the depth to a character he's you know not a two-dimensional sitcoms you know feminine gay sidekick here yeah yeah he's just a one real... thing i kind of came to miss from kurt 
in later seasons or some of his one-liners. Mm-hmm. Because that scene at the locker room with Sadie's absence, he's ever kissed anyone. And it's just a tender crook of his elbow. <laughs> yeah. Still one of the funniest things <laughs> that he's ever said. So I did kind of come to miss like certain lines like that from him. Right. Because Kurt's also really funny when he's just kind of being very Kurt. Absolutely. And Kurt, is, and I know a lot of it, I mean, I don't really know how much what it is that we've come to love about Kurt is written and how much of it is Chris. Just like, right. you know, I always wonder how much of Blaine's little quirks are written and how much of them are just daring. I think it's a combination, too. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I at least if I and I, I could be remembering remembering wrong, but I think that a lot of the kids that, you know, they needed something to do sitting in the background. And Chris was just like let's go for it, you know, let's ham it up a little bit. And cause his background moments in yes. the first season are just kind of amazing all the time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of his, he has some really good reactions. And then there are choir room scenes. One of the things that I missed so much about the choir room scenes in later seasons were just those reactions. Absolutely. Yeah. Rachel had some really good ones too. Yep. Yep. No. Her reactions to things that like Brittany would say <laughs> would, were always completely Brittany would say things and they would just cut to Rachel really quick and she just had this look on her face that I like to keep cracking up so I definitely that's kind of one of the, I think that's also one of the things that kind of made the kids more popular was just those little background moments absolutely people you know, could you know, like argument number whatever <laughs> between Will and Darren Quinn and Quinn and Rachel and the baby and Puck and you're just like Jesus so you start looking for things in the background Right. You're so tired of this same argument. Absolutely. So you're like watching, well, what's that kid over there doing? And you start noticing mm-hmm. like these little moments that are throwing in there. And then you're like, okay, I don't really know anything about this character except that they did that thing in the background. Like he likes looking out the window, what's out that window? And it, you know, became a thing, especially the thing with the window. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, so kind of something to end it on, kind of taking it back to the episode as a whole, this admittedly is not really a favorite episode of mine. I think there's so much of, a, you know, most of it is Will trying to reclaim his youth through a male acapella group. And so much of it is about Will trying to be the man his father wants him to be. And it, it's, Can I say I'm creeped out? Now, the whole, like, Will being a teacher... Yeah. Scene, I want to sex you up yep. with two students was already creepy, but now it's creepier. Yeah, it is. Well, and two parents. They're singing two parents. Yeah, the PTA I just, meeting. I'm so utterly creeped out. Just, uh, I can't anymore. Why? Uh, Why they thought that would be a good idea, I don't know. But the, the thing that always sticks out to me about this episode is that Will is trying so hard to, like, impress his dad. And, and be, you know, like this man because he's got a baby on the way and Terry wants him to be this. And, and like, then we've got this Kurt and Mercedes storyline that just has so much heart and so much truth and so much, you know, depth to the characters that, like, Kurt at the end, you know, revealing that, you know, he's gay for the first time, which, by the way, I forgot to mention, this is the only, this is the first time when he says that he's gay to Mercedes, it's the first time anyone says that Kurt's gay. I thought that was interesting that they, that they... I, yeah, because I think it's like the next episode or something where Kurt stops Finn 
and he says he wants to ask him a question, and the thing goes, well, I already have a date to the prom. Well, even and then they start inferring more and more from other characters. Right. Um, what if, uh, he, like, even when, when Rachel and Tina are talking to him, or say talking to Mercedes earlier in the episode, they don't say, oh, we think Kurt's gay, we're just, they just kind of, you know, insinuate yeah, it. Tina says he's late that Right. But no they one... Don't say the word. I like that Kurt gets the chance to define it himself. He's like, I am gay. And that's the first time anyone says that, and that's kind of cool. But anyway, my um, point was, this during this whole episode with Will trying to be a man, and then here's Kurt, who really is, you know, he is being the man here. He is... Like, being a real person and having real emotions, and so is Mercedes, and this whole plot line, even though it gets, like, five minutes, is just so much deeper than the amount of stuff that they're trying to force down our throats with Will. Yeah. So, that's my opinion. It's anyway. really, really hard. It's really, really strange looking back and realizing that the things that people came to love about those episodes were not the things that we were, I don't think we were meant right. to latch on to. So it's very interesting because, yeah, we were supposed to be kind of rooting for Will and his creepy little group. <laughs> but, you know, what people really fell in love with were, you know, the story of these two kids who just want things. Absolutely. And, I mean, the episode is about wanting things really badly. Oh, yeah. But the thing that Will wants almost feels superficial right. compared to what we see Kurt Mercedes wanting. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay, well, I, I think our hour is about up. Um, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out to come talk to me. It's been a really awesome hour. So, Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I forgot how much fun I <laughs> talking about the show. Oh, I know. I replies on Tumblr. I feel like I'm not talking about anything anymore. It's really sad. No, I know. I think it's kind of fun. And also to revisit these things. I mean, um, you know, in... in hindsight of the of the show ending i mean you can go back and you can laugh at, at mercedes line about rachel having kurt's babies because you know we've she seen does. It. yeah she does <laughs> so absolutely all right so that marks the end of our second podcast join us next week when we discuss preggers thanks for listening Sometimes I think what I need is a you and a Cause I'm a freak, baby. Everything's coming up. Everything's coming up. I'll try to find gravity. And you won't bring me down. Bring me Don't miss TBD Podcast, a Glee podcast discussing Kurt Hummel and Blaine Anderson, uploaded every Sunday night on twodaydreambelievers.tumblr.com.